0: Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both in and out of the NICU. Our hope is
1: that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama sisterhood around the world.
0: So, whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, friends,
1: and welcome back to the Dear NICU Mama Podcast. It's your hosts, Martha and
0: Ashley. <laughs> Woohoo!
1: I was trying to do like a state fair thing because it's state fair I- season.
0: I was picturing like a a basketball announcer type of situation, but that works too. Oh, sure.
1: Or like a monster truck one, like Sunday, 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 right?
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Okay. That's great. (laughs) Um,
0: So, (laughs) Ash, this week's going to be fun because it's just you and moi. It's just us. Buckle up, friends. Yeah.
1: Get ready for some tangents last week we we met with three incredible moms in our community mm-hmm. to talk about being a stay-at-home parent post-NICU and all mm-hmm. the things that surround that it was wild and mm-hmm. I feel like I learned so much about uh being a stay-at-home parent but also about our friends
0: mm-hmm. yeah and I did they were
1: all so lovely and then it was really cool in um our leadership team chats to see how everyone supported them and listened and and cheered them on. And it was just incredible. And and to hear what they had to say was so profound.
0: Right. I think it too was just such a good illustration that for all of us, no matter if we become stay-at-home moms or working moms, there's a lot of context that goes into making that decision. And it's not a simple one, no matter if you choose to stay home or choose to work. And so I appreciated... Getting to hear more of the back end of what making that decision was like for them. And yeah, just having a better understanding of what it was to be a stay-at-home mom. So I loved it. Yeah, it was really cool. And
1: how it served some of them in different points of life in different ways. So Mm -hmm. life is fluid, y'all. We're all just doing our best. (laughs)
0: Well, and we get to talk today about being working moms. Work, Woo-hoo! Work, 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 I don't know. Um, that song's probably not about song? working. You oh, don't have to work work, 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 work. Yeah. Wow. We are getting old if we can't remember lyrics
1: to songs. Any of them. I was wearing those cataract sunglasses after my eyes were dilated yesterday. <laughs> and well, you have a dentist appointment. We are not the young and hip youths.
0: No. <laughs> We are old grandmas. Um, but we get to talk a little bit today about being working moms. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited because I know your journey firsthand, Martha, but I'm excited to hear about it again and have our community get to hear your experience. And it's also fun because our avenues of work are very different. Um, mm-hmm. And so we come at it from from different perspectives, too. And you also had a move um across states so, so you transition to a new day here, a new career so you have a lot of wisdom when it comes to that and so i'm excited to do this episode this is going to be fun yeah it will be so ash tell us a little bit about your career career well um my career, so I have been a wedding photographer for nine years now. So I am a small business owner. I photograph weddings with my husband and then now do um, Dear Nikki Mama work as well. But I, um, it was interesting because being a small business owner, I envisioned, you know, having what you would envision like a maternity leave, which as a small business owner, that's really hard to carve out, <laughs> especially because. Silas was due in March, which we kind of, we thought we could plan that, right? Wink, Mm -hmm. wink. But... March and the winter time is kind of our slow season, so I was really looking forward to having a few months of time to just edit and catch up and really just like savor those last three months of pregnancy, but obviously Silas had other plans, <laughs> but um, we tried to kind of coordinate Silas's delivery with our slow season, which is in those winter months, and so his due date of March was great. That would have given us a couple of months before we hopped back into wedding season, um... And so, so yeah, so I've been an entrepreneur for, for nine years and I love it. I'm very Mm -hmm. grateful that I get to do it. Um, But of course that comes with its own pros and cons when it comes to being a mom and um, some of those benefits, if you will, if we can even call the benefits working moms get (laughs) in America benefits, right? But yeah, um, yeah, so that's a little bit of my, my career.
1: And you should say to you and your husband at the time you were a, a team, with your wedding photography business.
0: Yes. So we were both um, self-employed and we'll kind of get into that in a little bit, but that was a gift because we were both able to be present in the NICU um, at the same time, which was, which was really wonderful. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So what about you, Martha? What's your career? It's changed a little bit in the past few years. Who am I? Um, so
1: yeah, as uh, frequent listeners will know, I went to school for musical theater which has many real world applications. <laughs> just kidding. So I actually do, it's going to be really boring. So I'm just going to say IT database work. Let's just say that. Because <laughs> it is it. you would immediately fall asleep. I would hear a simultaneous snoring sound from our listeners across the globe if I went into it too far. Um, but that's what I do. Very technical. Worked at that time doing that. And then also kind of like event coordination and very, very high stress, very busy job. Um, not nearly as many hours as Ash was putting in, I would say, because when you're a business owner, you have no nine to five. (laughs) Right. Um, but that's, that's kind of what I was doing. And I also was, um, uh, pursuing my master's degree when I had my, my son too. So I, I, I was, I always enjoyed working. I've always enjoyed school. Like I'm all, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, today's the day I need to apply to medical school. And then I realized that would be a terrible idea, <laughs> but I, I love doing and being active um, and doing all those things, not active, like running, because that's a nightmare, but you know what I mean? Uh, so when I had my son, um, it was a little bit different because he only lived for a couple of days. Um, and it's, uh, I ended up taking a break which we can talk about a little bit down the road here in the conversation too um, and then when i had my daughter i took another break but again it's so tricky when you even if you have these benefits right and we'll get into it you burn through it because your baby comes early or you have to be on bed rest and so um i didn't really have a lot of options when it came time to come to the end of my my leave uh, but yeah, that's that's the kind of work yeah. I was doing. And then, of course, there's Dear Nikki Mama, because you and I were like, what should we do on top of having full-time jobs and being <laughs> new moms? We should start a nonprofit, LOL.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Why not?
1: <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Every Tiny Thing.
0: Every Tiny Thing designs and crafts journals, care packages, and more for families in the NICU. Founded, owned, and operated by a practicing NICU nurse, Every Tiny Things products aren't just gifts, they are meaningful tools which empower parents, encourage involvement, and inspire hope. From milestone cards, calendars, and NICU
1: wear, each item is designed to be as high quality and adorable as any traditional baby product, but made only for the NICU, because NICU parents deserve the very best. Not to mention their caring and compassionate customer service. They understand the
0: NICU experience intrinsically, and they're there for you every step of the way. Best of all, they donate a portion of their profits to NICU-focused nonprofits, and they offer discounts for families looking to give back to their local NICU communities. We highly
1: recommend the NICU Essentials Bundle. It contains all their best-selling items, the journal, milestone cards, and NICU art, Packaged in a sweet NICU memories box to hold all your precious mementos from the NICU days. It's the perfect gift for yourself or loved ones, so you can honor and celebrate every tiny thing.
0: For more information and to view their entire product catalog, be sure to visit EveryTinyThing.com. So,
1: Ash... Knowing that you are a boss woman who has built an empire Mm -hmm. uh, and you were really excited about starting your family and you were talking about it, you were kind of in these conversations of thinking about building your beautiful family, what did you think life would be like? What did you think um, motherhood would be like when you brought that baby home? What were you imagining you'd do?
0: Well, I think I imagined what we all imagine, which is the Instagram version of motherhood, right? Mm -hmm. Um, At the time, I was following a lot of, um, quote, crunchy mom accounts, right? So I was going to be the mom that would make her own baby food. I looked into cloth diapering because Mm -hmm. in my head, I was like, oh, being a small business owner, like I essentially can do both. I can work from home and be a stay-at-home mom. Like until you have kids, you just have no idea what being home with your kids requires of you, right? But at the time, I just figured like this is what I'll do. Um, we also were both full time, like I mentioned earlier, and so in my head, you know, I think both my husband and I envisioned you know still being able to do the capacity of weddings that we were doing, which was 20 to 30 weddings a year. Um, all of our family lives in the area, so I think we just anticipated that weekends would be where our son was with family, and that we would get to just kind of do life as we were, but we'd have a baby in the mix. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that changed pretty quickly when Silas was born. Um, you know, honestly, one of the the biggest stressor, stressors that we ran into being small business owners and having a NICU experience and and high risk birth and pregnancy was that we didn't have traditional health insurance. Yeah. And so we went through, um, what was called like a private health share and we had friends who had used it and it was great for them because they had, you know, if you're a young adult with little to no medical appointments, it's basically physicals every so often. And, um, you know, normal quote, normal pregnancies where you have like your typical appointments and your, you know, normal birth, if you will. It was great. It was like, You know, we couldn't afford to do the Blue Cross Blue Shield Mm -hmm. insurance options as small business owners, so this was a great alternative. From like six weeks on, our pregnancy became high risk immediately, and we were confronted with bills with lots of zeros, with lots of numbers, and a lot of complicated jargon that we just simply did not understand And we were trying to submit these to insurance companies, go back and forth with the hospitals of saying, like, this is how much this should cost. This is how much that should cost. And um, we we quickly were hit with the reality that not having traditional health insurance was going to be an issue as being parents of a now immunocompromised child. So um I think we envisioned that we would be able to keep doing the pace that we which we were doing and I think you paint this perfect picture in your head of what you think working as parents will look like and for us we thought it would be really seamless since we were both full time and then we were quickly thrown into this world of oh it's a little bit more complicated than we imagined and so it took a little bit of pivoting but that was kind of what we envisioned early on. Yeah.
1: Which is amazing to me because now I didn't know anything about owning your own business until I've met you. And so now knowing the amount of work that you do and the fact that you don't have that structure of like, I clock in and out, right? There is no such thing for you. (laughs) Um, It is, I guess, like you said, there's no idea you can imagine what you think being a parent will be like, but the sheer energy and effort is something you can't describe to somebody
0: right well and going back to this like instagram version of Mm -hmm. family right i think during this time too, accounts like the bucket list family were becoming really big Mm -hmm. and because we were small business owners i think we kind of had this naive thought that like we would get to travel the world together as a family and you know just kind of be like the bucket list family but wedding photographer edition because prior to having silas we did a lot of destination weddings and We were excited about traveling with Silas. And now I think about like traveling with our gear and a toddler to shoot a wedding would be like insane, you know, Uh but at the time we were like, look at all these Instagram families doing it. Like it's possible. We can totally do it. And so Mm -hmm. I think the image of motherhood we had or parenthood we had before actually becoming parents obviously looked very different, but I think that's true for all of us, right? You just don't know until you're in your own situation, but
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so true.
0: But how about you? Um,
1: yeah. So when I, we had our son JP, we were living in California and I was working full time. I don't know if I thought what I was doing would be my forever job, but I thought, you know, I would do my 12, maybe 16 weeks if I could swing it of maternity leave and then go back to do my job. When I had JP though, um, who, passed away after three days of life, um, I broke from the inside out. And I went from being like a highly productive, vibrant person to being incredibly depressed. And so not only was I unable to shower, I was certainly not able to go to work. And so after a couple of weeks, it really, really became clear that I was not going to be able to go back to work. And so I To, you know, in full transparency, we, I went on on unemployment for a time and Mm -hmm. Zach, my husband, unfortunately was laid off during that period, Mm -hmm. which just really, um, there's no way to say it. It really just sucked. And we decided to move back to the Midwest during that time to live with my family. And it was what we needed to do for the time being, you know, it took me probably, five months to be at a place where I felt like I could go back and and do a job when I did go back and do something, right. It was different than I thought, um, too, but yeah, that I I thought I would be able to jump right back in after three months and it just, Mm. you know, it was not the reality for us. Um, and then when I had JJ, you know, I, there was a great dissonance in my brain because, and I think this might be true for a lot of people, after loss or in a high-risk pregnancy, my goal was just to get her here. So yeah. I didn't even really, I I wouldn't even in, indulge in the conversation of what would happen afterwards. Uh, you know, I made the plans with my employer, did all the work for what I would need to do for my maternal leave, obviously. But there were so many unanswered questions. I had no idea if I would get to term or if I would deliver at twenty three weeks or 25 weeks or 32 weeks. And that's very different. So, you know, it was just, I, I kind of had no assumptions about it, which in some ways was not great <laughs> because then I I got thrown into the deep end of what that would look like. Um, but, you know, for the first, for sure, I felt like I would be able to jump right back into work. And I I thought that it would be hard to go back to work afterwards. I thought maybe I'd want to stay home with the baby when they came. Um, but the plan was always to go back to work because, uh, I, I ain't got that dollar dollar bill y'all.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, So
1: that (laughs) I knew ultimately it would be the choice to go back. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, and it's, I'm glad that you brought up the aspect of working while having a high risk pregnancy because I remember, you know, I was, I had a, um, hemorrhage throughout my pregnancy up until 16 weeks. And I would be shooting weddings and bleeding. Mm. And I remember just thinking, like, you know, I wish I could just call in sick today. You right. know? Like yep. and being a small business owner, especially shooting weddings, you can't just call in a replacement on a whim, you know? It's like yep. you are it. But I remember um being in like ho dunk, Minnesota towns, like in the country, shooting in this beautiful outdoor wedding, and I'd be in a porta potty bleeding. You yep. know, and it was just like It's amazing what we're capable of doing. You know, when you really look back, it's like you worked a corporate job in a high-risk pregnancy where you were constantly in fight or flight just hoping to make it one more day of pregnancy, right? Mm -hmm. And same thing, I was shooting weddings bleeding. You know, it's just like you look back and you're like, how did we do that? Like that's pretty insane. Um,
1: Yeah. And I don't... uh, People probably don't realize this. I didn't realize it. You assume that... Being a photographer is standing in a studio and shooting some pictures, you know, (laughs) a la, um, you know, life size, that movie with Tyra Banks anyway, but it's, the reality is it's an incredibly physical job. The equipment setup is very heavy. You are, you have like all these, like you look like a, a Western (laughs) sheriff because you've got all these like holsters with all different types of equipment and you're walking around and it's like 10 hour days. In the middle of summer in the Midwest, so hot. Like you said, you don't have your porta potties. When do you sit down? Like when you eat? (laughs) So I think a lot of, you know, we can't forget that a lot of our moms are high risk pregnancy. But then also in these really physical jobs, I was in a corporate job where I could sit, be just seated. In different positions seated but sometimes you're uh, in child care you're a mm-hmm. teacher you're a, a nurse or a doctor mm-hmm. you're on your feet all day long and you don't have yeah. the choice to rest or say you know for me i i um if i had a full bladder and i didn't relieve it right away which was every five seconds with jj <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> i would start having contractions mm-hmm. also if i was dehydrated which also happened really frequently I would get have contractions, so I was having contractions all the time, oh and uh, it was very challenging. It was in the middle of the summer, so I would drink so much water. I've never drank so much water in my entire life, <laughs> and oh, then okay. I would have to pee every five seconds. But I, I was so lucky because I had really understanding coworkers. Because I would every five minutes say, "I have to go, po- I have to go to the bathroom again. I have to go to the bathroom again." <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it was on Zoom, and so I would mute it on Zoom, and I would just go, you know, I would just like hold it and hold the laptop up while I went to the bathroom because. I can't, you have to stop, but what if that's not an option for you? You know, right. The The idea idea. that like, I can't stop because I'm having contractions right now, or there's no place for me to sit right now or drink a glass of water, you know, or even pause for 15 minutes. Um, our, our listeners in Europe and anywhere outside of America are like, (laughs) what, where do they live? What is going on in America? And it's rough everyone.
0: (laughs) Oh man. Well, I'm curious to know, we've talked a little bit about you know, working through our high-risk pregnancies, let's maybe talk a little bit about when the kiddos came because both of our kids came significantly early, all three mm-hmm. of our kids. Um, did you use your maternity leave when you were in the NICU? Did you continue to work? I mean, what did working look like when you were in the middle of your NICU journey?
1: Mm. Well, for my son, JP – Basically, I went in one night to the ER and I had gone in a ton because I had a sub hemorrhage too. And I just thought it was going to be normal. And then overnight, you know, in 23 weeks or something, um, I was going to be admitted for the, to the hospital forever. So then I immediately had to write to my HR department and figure out what do I do. And I started clocking in my 12 weeks then. And in the state of California, it was unpaid maternity leave but in california you pay into like a partial unemployment thing so you got it's like 60 percent of your regular paycheck which was helpful but it still wasn't our whole paycheck and then zach got laid off which was the worst um but yeah i started going right into it so had jp lived we would have i would have had to quit my job or i would have had to stay at you know go to work you know, go in the morning and then maybe come on lunch breaks and then come at the end of the day, which is a lot of a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And uh, with JJ, my maternity leave started clocking out at twenty weeks because I, my, uh, you know, I started dilating. I had to have my emergency cerclage cir- placed, and the doctor advised that I not work full time if it was a possibility which I know is a privilege. Not everybody has that opportunity. So I started taking my maternity leave in in parts. So I was working like two thirds of my regular schedule from home, which also was a huge privilege. So I literally would be in pajamas laying on my back, you know, because even at that point, walking to the car would cause contractions. So it was important for me to be able to get to the bathroom in time, to be able to lay down and time my contractions, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Again, had I gone back to work after JJ came, um, it it would have been two weeks after her discharge, I would have been going back to work. And as we all know, you get home and you have a newborn, and that's typically what maternity paternity leave is for is taking care of a newborn you know, that's what FMLA protects, those 12 weeks after, again, and that has contingency too. You have to work at a place for over a year and it has to be, you know, it's only required in places where there's X amount of employees. So it's just, it was really frustrating to know that I had nothing left. And I felt at that time, like we also had no childcare options too. I think that's another part of it. You can talk about this as well, but we had booked her for a daycare and she came like a bunch of months early, so they didn't have a spot for her. So yeah. we there were there were absolutely zero spots. Um, I ran through my maternity leave and so for us it was like, I guess we'll go down to one income because we can't afford to hire, you know, a full time nanny all the time yeah. to take care of her. Um, and and that's what it looked like. I feel like that is so common. These are all the exact issues that every single NICU parent faces
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and i know yours was slightly different because you didn't ha- nobody was there you didn't get any paid or unpaid maternity leave if you don't work you don't get paid so that was also really eye-opening for me to learn about your experience
0: yeah yeah i remember being in the NICU because he came in january so thankfully It was after, like, the holiday fall Mm -hmm. rush, but I still had sessions that I was editing or, you know, working on. And um, I remember, like, editing sessions in the NICU and just being so sad about it because I just wanted to be present Mm -hmm. with my child, being so grateful that I didn't have to, like, report to an office, but at the same time feeling like I didn't have that support of HR Mm -hmm. or, you know, other people to advocate on part of my behalf. Um, But there was one incident where... We were contracted to shoot a wedding probably a couple weeks after my C-section. And in my head, someone had told me like, well, maybe it'll be good for you to just go to work and get out of the hospital for a little bit and just do something normal. Right. And then mm-hmm. in context, that sounded nice. I was like, yeah, go back to normal because what is normal anymore? Right. But I could still hardly walk. I was like, yeah, I had pretty significant like constipation post C-section. And so I was having like pretty significant stomach pains, still learning how to walk, still adjusting to being a new parent, pumping mm-hmm. every three hours, you know, all that stuff. And so thankfully, we had friends that also shoot weddings that were able to contract for us. And so they were able to take over the wedding But I just I can't imagine having to have done that in like maybe like a peak season where it's Mm. like we would have had four weddings, five weddings a month and then trying to contract all of those. And so while his timing was early, I'm still grateful that it was within our slower season so that we didn't have Mm -hmm. to worry as much about that. But yeah, we were definitely answering emails, trying to just like keep our business afloat while also being in the NICU with Silas. And yeah, it was a really interesting dynamic, but it was a gift in some ways because Ryan was able to be there with me pretty much full time, which was, yeah. I know that's very rare. And so I'm very, very grateful that we had that. Yeah. But-
1: I wonder if you could touch on two, because I know I experienced this as well, is Just kind of like that, what that person mentioned to you. There's so many conceptions about. What is the, what's the right thing to do when you're in the NICU? Okay, you know what? Go back to work right now and then you'll have time when the baby comes home. Or yeah, you need normalcy in your life. You need to get right back at it. Like Mm -hmm. pretend like nothing happened. Who cares? And and then there's also like, no, you need to be in the NICU 100% of the time. There's just like this binary and people are so opinionated about it, even if they have zero things to do with the NICU or your life. But they're mm-hmm. like, now feels like a nice time for me to share my unsolicited opinion.
0: Right. For um,
1: sure. And do you feel like people understood that? I mean, even clients or other people you were working with, you feel like they, they got it. It's really hard when it's not you, right? It's not your experience.
0: Right. Well, I think. In regards to this wedding client, thankfully, they were very understanding, but yeah. I could tell they were very disappointed. And yeah, that's And I was disappointed too. You know, it was mm-hmm. like, I wanted to shoot your wedding and I take really big pride in the work that mm-hmm. we do. And while I trusted our friends deeply, I was like, I know without a doubt that they will do an incredible job. I could just tell that there was this level of disappointment on both ends, but there was mm-hmm. also nothing that I could do about no. it. And, yeah. you know, it was hard too, because technically if you were to look at it in like its most technical form, I probably could have shot that wedding. I could mm. have put my body through that. I could have gone and done that. But it was the first decision I had to make as a mom of taking care of myself. Yeah. And I had to put my health first and my family first. And in that moment, I was think you know privileged to have that option but it was the first time that I had to make a decision not only as a business owner, but as a mom, because now it wasn't just about me. It was also about my son. And it was kind of my first big decision of in order to be the best mom for my son, what do I need to do? And I Mm -hmm. ultimately made the decision to, to not shoot that wedding. But I think you said it really well of, you know, it's this this transition, especially when you're in trauma of like being this really productive person of society prior. Right. Like you're mm-hmm. known as somebody who's efficient and who's creative and who's on top of it. And you're just like, I'm winning. I thrive at work like this is where yeah. I this is where I excel. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're like, I can't function like I can't I can't think I can't even type this email out. Yeah. Like, all brain function is just boop, gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's a really hard transition because it's mm-hmm. just completely opposite of who you were prior to your experience. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I had an i truly an identity crisis. Yeah. Because I, and this is going to sound so gross, but wow. I consider myself a talented person. Yeah. I was very good at my job, very proficient. People liked me. I was like, I was a hot commodity, right, for what I do. And so to go from that, like you said, to, I would stare at text messages at my phone yeah. It would get blurry. I wouldn't know how to write. I didn't know how to eat. Mm. Um, I couldn't go for walks. I couldn't leave my house. Um, I remember with JP, all I could do, like, I felt really good when I worked on a puzzle for like 15 Mm. minutes. And that was the pace I was going at. And I was so disappointed at myself because not only am I not the person I was before, but I don't have a baby to show for any of this, or, you know, none of this went the way that I wanted it to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it just felt so unfair. Like it brought up a whole other lang- level of grief and just like anger, just really just anger at my body for like not like get with the program. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so weird. This dissonance in your brain, understanding what you should be able to do, but then not being able to do it is
0: wild. Right. Well, and I remember too, you know, because I still did some work while we were in the NICU, I, mm. I couldn't be there 24 seven. And I remember being so envious of the baby holders in the NICU. Mm. I remember them presenting us with these sweet, sweet, sweet elderly women, right? Who were like right. retired and who went through this training to hold babies. And, and I would sometimes hear the commotion in the hallways of like, well, oh, that baby's never held how did you know? And I was like, what if they have to work? You know, like, you don't know, you don't know why that baby's not held. And I'm sure it tears that mom apart. I know there's instances where there's significant neglect and I'm not dismissing that. But I remember being so envious because I wanted to be the baby holder, but I also had this job that I wanted to do so that when we came home, I could be more present, you Mm -hmm. know? And it's just like this, like, inner confliction of just like wanting to be this stay at home, present, or not even stay at home, present mom in the NICU, but also having these, these obligations and jobs that you have to do. And it just, yeah, like you said, feels unfair that you have yeah. to choose that. Yeah. I either choose to sit by my child who's on, you know, all of the oxygen support or answer an email. Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to choose between the two? Because yeah. obviously I want to be with my child, yeah, but I still need to be able to provide food. So You know, it's just so hard.
1: And there's such, I mean, there's something behind that that is also really frustrating and not to get too like outlandish with it, but the idea that that the idea that where we are in our society right now, you have to go to work to pay for your baby to be in a place um, so that volunteers can then come in and help take care of your baby. Like, there's something st- completely dysfunctional about that, right? Because- Welcome to
0: Martha and Ashley soapbox. So- <laughs> I know, but <laughs> we are bringing it- up some stuff. But it's just,
1: it's, it's, so, just, true yeah. so, it's so true and so unfair. And even the moms that we talk about, right? Um, we've both seen circumstances where, unfortunately, social services and is involved as well, right? Mm-hmm. But in the circumstances that I've seen for that, a lot of times. It's because there is no other choice. Like it's. Yeah. And um, they're. Those are. They're all just symptoms of really the same. The same problem. And it's just. It's so painful.
0: Well. And not to. We're kind of on a tangent. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Good. I love it. But we also are in a society that praises productivity. Yeah. Yeah. And we're also in a society that praises you for what you do. And so I would get a lot more compliments when I was still a functioning human in society with a baby in the NICU than Mm -hmm. somebody who was just in the NICU, Mm. right? Like you're kind of seen as more if you're able to prove that I can still work or I can still take a shower or I can still do these things. It's just like we're not, you know, there's no understanding sometimes of what it means to be in that level of grief Mm -hmm. and in that level of pain Mm -hmm. and how it's really not about what you do. It's about taking care of yourself and being okay, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really hard to embrace that when you, we live in a society that praises what you do mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. functioning of a human you are, right? Especially yeah. when all you want to do is just like sit at your baby's bedside and cry, <laughs> you know?
1: Oh, so I remember the first therapist I saw, who wasn't my fave, let's be real, yeah. but I saw her and she said something to me along the lines, and I really could not process this. This is so funny. She was like, so Martha, Let's say JJ comes to you one day and she's like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. You know, I'm, you know, I'm struggling. I'm not, I'm getting this right. I'm just awful. I just want to quit or whatever. What would you say to her? And in the moment I was like, what? I have no idea. And she was like, wouldn't you say she's enough and she's good the way she is and she's perfect. And there's nothing more other than existing that she needs to do to be loved and worthy. And I was like, I guess I, my brain could not even work at that time. Right, right. But nobody was saying to me, I just feel like I want people to be shaking these parents and just saying you are enough like every single day because there's so much around us that's telling us that that's not the case.
0: Right. For sure. Uh, yeah. I like this soapbox. I hope, I hope you yeah. mama's listening like this. Soapbox. I Speaking of soapboxes, I need to take a shower. Same. I kind of smell. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So maybe let's hop into, you know... Obviously, the vision you have of being a mom changes when you become a NICU mom, right? But when you were in the NICU, what did you envision life at home with your baby would look like? Or did you envision going back to work right away? Did you, I know you said that you guys made the decision to to go down to that one income. So what did that look like for you guys? Um... God,
1: you know, it's really hard thinking back to four years. But right. I I would say it was hard because the money was a big conversation. You know, could we swing it? And to be super honest, we lived a lot on credit cards, which isn't great. We, you know, have been able to mitigate that in years past, but it was just the choice we made because in the immediate aftermath of having JJ, I didn't think I was going to make it. I didn't think that I would survive this mental health crisis. And so, of course, when push comes to shove, an an alive parent is better than an income-producing parent. It felt really crappy, though. And um, to, to know that we were going to be going into this debt because of this crazy reason. And I felt a lot of guilt. And also, when Zach went back to work and I stayed home, I was flipping terrified. I would call him sobbing. I would say, please come home. I do, I'm not, I don't feel right. I don't feel well. I'm going crazy. She deserves a better mom, blah, 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 blah. All sorts of PMADS, you know, thoughts. I thought the police were going to come and take me away. Yeah, it's, I yeah. only laugh about it because it's, it's, uh, it's funny how our brains do things to protect our bodies, uh, And it was, it was challenging. It was not, it was not a good time Mm -hmm. for me. It was very stressful. And so this idea, this magical idea of, you know, after losing JP, this idea of being able to bring a healthy baby home, and that should be the best experience ever because she's a miracle. Of course. Isn't this your dream? Isn't this what you wanted to be home with your baby who's alive and healthy? And I had people say this to me, you need to snap out of this. Um, and we've had conversation about that afterwards. It was not the right thing that I needed to hear at the time. It was incredibly painful because it just reiterated the sense that, Oh, I guess there, you're right. There is something wrong with me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I often would beg to be, to go back to the hospital because when we were in the NICU, everything made sense. I had a purpose. I knew what was going on. I had help. <laughs> mm-hmm. And at home I was terrified and alone and scared. And also nobody tells you that the babies are just babies you know what I mean and right yeah I went from having a hundred percent human interaction even with nurses and the staff at the NICU to being alone with a baby who could not talk to me and or I, right or sleep right she mm-hmm. didn't sleep at all right um and I am a chatter chatterbox so <laughs> that really was just overwhelming for me yeah so when you and Silas came home I know it was a little bit different because it was was it April or March March. End of March. March and March. Right. So you came back. It was a springtime and normally you're starting to ramp up for wedding season then, right?
0: Yeah. Normally that's when we start doing consults with couples and stuff. And I'm sure most working moms feel this way, but it was really hard to go back into work mode so quickly. I mean, we had worked, you know, throughout our NICU journey, but it was very like mainly emails and different things where it was like pretty, you weren't meeting with people one-on-one. But to like kind of go from like the isolation of the NICU to now opening yourself up to the world again was was a really big adjustment. Yeah. But right away, Ryan and I were still full time. So I'm very, very fortunate and grateful that we were able to kind of go through some of those early newborn days together as Mm -hmm. a family. And I'm very grateful that we had that time. But when we came home, Ryan's body shut down. Yeah. Um, We've talked about it with on Parishas episodes where you can develop immuno, um, or uh, autoimmune disorders. And for Ryan, he developed celiac disease almost immediately when we came home. And so his body was like, okay, Silas is safe. Now I'm going to check out. Beep. <laughs> and just yeah. was like done. He was His legs stopped working. His arms would go numb. He was very, very sick. And at the same time, I was still having you know reeling from everything that we just happened and now my partner is sick and I'm taking care of my baby Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. me and now my sick partner and Mm -hmm. um and and then at that same time we needed health insurance for us we were like we don't know what the future looks like for my health or his health now with celiac disease he was needing to get scopes and different things that were costing a lot of money and so um, he started applying for jobs while he was super sick. And that was a nightmare because we mm-hmm. couldn't tell if it was the stress of the job, if it was right. his body shutting down. It was just a very conflicting type well, I of remember thing. too,
1: you were like, is it the chemicals in the plant where he works? Yeah, it was he wild. he works at time. like a
0: window factory because it had really, really good hours. He was home yeah. by like 2 p.m. But we were like, is it? is he getting exposed to something? Like we just had no idea. But I will say my advocacy skills in the NICU paid off because yes. I advocated for him. I was like, you will do these tests and we will get answers. And mm-hmm. I was like, I learned a lot about myself yes, in the NICU. Yeah. But You guys but should yeah. see her in
1: a restroom trying to figure out if a, a <laughs> bun on a hot dog is gluten-free. I would not want to cross her it better be better not i will make sure that
0: grill is cleaned off before you fry his hamburger on there right yeah but anyways so so yeah so it was it was it was unique um but i remember specifically when i came home i did not want to go back to work because Mm. we actually were told at my six-week follow-up appointment that having more kids would be very dangerous And so then I was hit with this realization that this is my only shot. Like if I miss out on these newborn moments, I will not get it again. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I can't go back to work. Like Mm -hmm. you kind of have this moment of like what's important in life. And you're like, obviously these moments with my child are important, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I really struggled with Wanting to be a working mom, I all I wanted to do was be home with Silas. But as we'll talk about soon, I just magically thought that I would come home. Actually, I'd have a baby. Mm-hmm. I'd come home and all of my desire to work would just go away. Mm-mm. I thought that magically there'd be this switch and that I would become a stay-at-home mom and it would become natural to me and that would be my story. And it was actually very opposite for me. Um, yeah. In fact, being a creative person, motherhood made me extreme, like even more creative than I already was. And mm-hmm. i I found myself later wanting to work. I missed mm-hmm. going to work, and I was so frustrated with that because I was like, "Ashley, you know, right? That like being a mom is the most important job. Like, how could you even consider going back to work?" But. I also, it was an opportunity to honor the way that I'm wired, right? Like, it was yeah. an opportunity to honor the creativity in my heart. And I do think Dear Niki Mom was a huge part of honoring that and was really healing for me. But those feelings of, of, of not wanting to work, they never... I don't know. It was just a very confusing, you know, it's a, yeah. a definitely like an identity crisis, right? Of like, yep. who am I and what's important to me? Right. What if they're all important to me? Right. What do I do then? You yes.
1: know. <laughs> and then, of course, it's all in like the guise of fight or flight. So your nervous system is like, buzz, like all the time. So cognitive thinking is like the number one thing that goes. So being able yeah. to, like, to evaluate <laughs> these like major life choices is just like impossible. But yeah, yeah it goes back to that concept that we we're talking about with this whole image in society, which is also completely made up and constructed too right because um our mothers and grandmothers had lots of generational support and like work looked different back like 100 Mm -hmm. years ago right but it's this like imaginary idea that you can either you can have either or 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 you should want one or you should want the other you know or
0: you can have it all
1: you can have it all right whatever
0: if you just do this
1: five-step plan you can
0: do it all right
1: um and and that's just like imaginary it's just completely made up Mm -hmm. and it all it does is perpetuate shame cycles for moms and parents it's just truly a nightmare that we all get to live in um so the other element that layers on all of this is how we function with an immunocompromised child in the world so the options for childcare, for visitors who might help and support you during that transition period, for extra care so you could just like go hop in the shower or something like that, or so you can investigate or have that time to think about how you might feel about going back to work is maybe gone and out the window, right? Mm-hmm. So how did you navigate that when Silas
0: came home? Well, I was definitely that mom that had the please wash your hands sign mm-hmm. <laughs> at our house. Like it was like right in our entryway. Uh, somebody really sweetly gifted me um, one of those car seat covers, those mm-hmm. little tags that say like, wash your hands. I'm a preemie or don't touch. I'm a preemie or something like that. So I was like proudly, even though it was ugly, I had it on my car. I
1: know. They're all like have the chevron um, background. Chevron. Which is, yes. like,
0: really? <laughs> okay. But yeah. But yeah so... I, I did that, um, but for me, it looks like having some really transparent conversations with Silas's pediatrician, mm. and that is honestly what gave me the most confidence and peace of mind. Um, she was very, very gentle with me. She didn't judge me for even, you know, I was so scared that I would be judged for considering going back to work. At this point, I didn't have an option because, with weddings, you book them out a year to two in advance. And so yeah. I already had stuff on the books that I was like, I can't just not shoot this wedding. And so when I brought it up to her, she was thankfully very understanding of like, yeah, it makes sense. And she was really assuring of like, you know, actually not every mom has the option to stay home and it's okay if you're considering going to work like a lot of NICU moms do it. And I believe that you can do it too. And so she said to me, she's like, if you can find a nanny or a smaller daycare that's obviously ideal but she's like I have a lot of kiddos that go to centers and they thrive and Mm -hmm. she's like I don't have a crystal ball to be able to tell you that Silas will have no issues with illness she's like he's a child with an immunocompromised immune system like he will get sick but Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be there with you every step of the way and then she was just also really encouraging about giving me the, the pros of going to daycare. And she's like, Silas is going to make so many friends. He's going to learn so many things. And it was just really affirming because all I felt was guilt and shame that I was even considering sending my immunocompromised child to daycare. Yeah. But she really helped me mitigate a lot of those fears. And she even said things like I have clients or clients, patients who Mm -hmm. for them attending, sports games are really important to their family that's how they bond and she's like so what I'll do is I'll help them talk about ways to protect their child at a sports arena Mm -hmm. she's like because you still have to live your life and she's like life doesn't stop when you come home from the NICU right and so it was just really encouraging to hear her talk about it that it was possible yeah and that you know she was gonna be there for me every step of the way Mm -hmm. and I just felt really assured that she was willing to do that with us. And so that was huge. That was huge for us.
1: I know this pediatrician and I love her Yes, you do.
0: You referred us to her. (laughs) Yes,
1: she's wonderful. But what she said, it really hinges on this idea that in the NICU community, the best way we can support ourselves and each other is avoiding this idea of absolutes. You Mm -hmm. absolutely have to do this or you absolutely have to do that. There is no right, one right way to be yeah. a parent to a, a NICU kiddo. Yeah. And so the best thing you can do is look at your family, look at your values, talk to people that you trust, healthcare providers you trust, and come up with a plan that makes sense. And it's going to change, you yeah. know? Um, oh God, I love that provider so much. Um, but also so, so incredible that you they did those things. So what was the first thing you did? You just reminded me today that you had a nanny and I forgot about that season. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So we started with um, doing part-time care. So because my job is relatively flexible in like when I need to work, I can work after bedtime or different things. We decided to start with a nanny. So the nanny would come three days a week for four to five hours. So it wasn't like a full work day, but it was enough where I could be at the house with them. So sometimes I would just be in my office and I could hear them playing with Silas in the living room, which just gave me that peace of mind of like being able to see yeah. him and hear him having a good time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then it was fun to see someone else love my kid too, right? Like it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's somebody else who's getting to see him grow and develop and and do these really special things that he, you know, it's just miraculous that he's doing in the first place. Right. So we had a nanny for a while and then that got pretty expensive And we just realized like we needed just a little bit more care. So then we were very fortunate to secure a home daycare. And this was also unique because this was also during COVID. This was like at the start of COVID. And I was very, very scared to send Silas to a place during COVID. But it was also really busy for us with editing and different things. But I felt assured that it would be him and like five kids max. And I was like, okay, it's at a home. It feels relatively you know compact we're not like in a center right away um and so we did the nanny and we've been at that home daycare now ever since and Mm so that's where that's where we landed and both I felt like had pros and cons um the nanny was a really really nice transition right away I felt really grateful that I had the ability to like slowly get comfortable with someone else taking care of my son but um having that drop off and pick up has been really, really fun now that he's in like an actual daycare. Yeah. Yeah. But how about you, my friend?
1: Well, when I first back went back to work with JJ, we paid a family member to watch her. Um, the family member was in school to become a teacher. So had mm-hmm. a bunch of extra credentials and CPR certification, all these things. So we felt really comfortable about it. It was right in our house. And we had to do that because there were no openings anywhere, to be right. honest. Yeah. that That's the other thing we haven't talked about. And it's only gotten worse since our kiddos were baby babies. Yeah. But there are zero openings. Um, and we lived in a market where there were like a good chunk of centers and I was on a wait list at every single one of them. Yeah. And finally I got into one, but it was only when she turned sixteen months we could send her in. So we had to wait until that time. So for about six months we paid a a, a family member who graciously offered to do that. And again, really great transition. We were so blessed to be able to do that because it was at our home. I didn't have to yeah. drive anywhere, you know, which took a while, which was good because getting ready for work was like a whole new thing <laughs> again. I was like, oh, that's right. I got a shower. um, And it, it was really good for us. And then when we took her to a center, it actually was attached to our workplace, um, which was fantastic as well. Yeah, And it was relatively small, you know, one, one classroom She started two months before COVID really hit too. So (laughs) the crazy thing was that there were never any COVID outbreaks at that daycare, which we're again, super lucky for. I was really scared, but also at the same time, I saw her start to make huge developmental leaps when she was in that center Mm -hmm. and they gave her extra care. She was visited by early childhood intervention services from the county. It was so important that she keep going. She was a, a very late walker. She had to use a a walker to learn how to walk. And they did that with her there. She really hated it. But you know what was nice? I didn't have to see her do it. I didn't hear the <laughs> yeah. cry. I know that sounds terrible. No, no. But there were these trained professionals who were helping mm-hmm. her through it. And to me, for us and our family, that outweighed the risk of, of COVID. The other thing was it was on a college campus and the college campus was shut down. So there were no people there for a really good chunk of time. It was very, very um, isolated. And so we we felt pretty good about it. Um, yeah. And I got to say, uh, we talked to our pediatrician as well and it just... She affirmed everything we said and said, "Yep, I know that center." I'll, you know, she was always. You know, I think this is a good thing to suggest too. Like, bring up mm-hmm. centers to your pediatricians; they know about or your
0: early interventionists. Yes,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great point. They know about the quality of them. They know mm-hmm. kind of what their pro- protocols and procedures are in terms of illness and reporting, and how stringent they are. What kind of quality of of um, caregivers they have. And that'll help you understand and and figure out what's best for you and your family for sure. Yeah, absolutely.
0: If you are a longtime listener of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast or you have found yourself enjoying this episode, we would greatly appreciate a review on iTunes reviews on apple and other
1: platforms help other mamas and friends just like you find our podcast help boost us so that we are more available and accessible to others and they let us know that you're loving what you're
0: hearing too so we love to hear the stories that you're connecting with we love to hear how the episodes resonate with you and having that review is a great way for us to get a really tangible feel of how this podcast resonates with your heart
1: So I touch a little bit about one of the best parts of JJ going to daycare, which is she's grown leaps and bounds Mm -hmm. and is like a totally different kid. Um, But what, what's your favorite part about daycare for Silas?
0: I think it's those exact same reasons. Um, there was kind of this shame early on, um, and even today where, you know, for example, there were mornings and we were just running out the door, right? And Silas (laughs) got a super small breakfast, barely anything, right? You're just like, oh my gosh, we all slept in late. I forgot what time it was, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd get to daycare and I'd hear her say, all right, Silas, do you want some breakfast? We're just eating breakfast. And I would feel this ting of shame of like, why can't I just get my act together and give my son more breakfast? Like I just was feeling so bad about myself. And then it hit me of like, what if you saw this as an opportunity to receive some help? Mm -hmm. And what if that's okay? Because Mm -hmm. you don't have to do it all. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, being able to say, I can't do it all and that's okay. And now Silas gets to have breakfast with his friends Mm -hmm. and maybe that's all right. You Mm -hmm. know, like Mm -hmm. maybe this is actually good. Mm -hmm. And just giving myself permission to not have to do it all was yeah. was a huge learning thing for me and seeing you know we didn't it didn't start without any issues I mean Silas cried mm-hmm. the first like six to months to a year every day he'd be like I don't want to go to daycare and then I was like oh my gosh I'm the worst yeah. like here I am <laughs> dropping your child off but someone told me early on how it's really fun to have your child miss you Yes. Because when you get yeah. to pick them up, that feeling of how they missed you is like the best. <laughs> and when... they run and jump in your arms. Oh, oh. It is the best. You're like, oh, you missed me because I missed you terribly. But I'm really glad that you also missed me. But seeing uh, it was the same thing. Silas's vocabulary blossomed. He mm-hmm. um, Potty training was so insanely helpful because his peers yeah. were potty training. Um, mm-hmm. His daycare provider was willing to use Whatever method we were trying, she was like, I will make that work. Like, Mm -hmm. we want him to be successful. Seeing him learn new words, Mm -hmm. you know, become more, like, active in different things, get these little, like, hobbies and passions because his peers did was just amazing. And um, we've now built, like, a great relationship with our daycare provider, and she loves him too, and it's just – it's been such a gift to our family, and while I'm at work, I think of him all the time. I even today when I brought him, he looked at me and he's like, "Mom, I'm so excited to go to daycare today." Oh, <laughs> and I was like, so "I'm cute. so happy for you!" Like, I love that you're excited to go to daycare. So yeah. for us, um, it it's been just amazing to see him thrive yeah. and to see him grow. So, yeah. I also think it's like this
1: really cool opportunity for them to a bring more people into their life that love mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. and also obviously socialization is huge. But they get to try and discover new things that might you would like, we would never be yeah. able to do, right? Yeah, like yep. the other week there, they had Artist Week last week at school, and so they taped paper underneath the desks and they all pretended to be Michelangelo and Cute. painted. <laughs> it was so adorable. I would never have done that. Are you right. kidding? Yeah. <laughs> and she comes home and she's had a day full of experiences and she can't wait to tell me all about it and it's the sweetest thing she's like my friend daniel did this thing (laughs) and aria and i did this blah 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 blah. it's incredible Mm. and then her teachers they fill us in on what's going on so funny i dropped jj off this morning and her teacher was like i gotta tell you jj calls calls the closet in our classroom the shed
0: (laughs) and i was like
1: (laughs) it's amazing it's more people who love and admire your child for who they are
0: Well, and sometimes, too, it's just classic child psychology, but they'll listen better to, like, someone who's not their parent, Absolutely. (laughs) So for, like, certain things when there was a time where Silas would not poop on the potty at home, Uh but I found out he pooped on the potty at daycare. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, excuse me? But it was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm so proud of him for, like, going poop. And the potty, like no matter if it's with me or with the daycare provider, like this is amazing to have another person in his corner teaching him and cheering him on. And again, just being willing to like receive that help and not feel shame about it because I can't do everything. But there's people who are willing to help me. And that's amazing. Yeah.
1: Oh, and. Not only are they willing, it's like their God given talent. I think right. that's the other yeah. thing too. My yeah. God given talent is not coming up with activities for toddlers. And right. <laughs> that is somebody's talent to like make lo- like learning and and mm-hmm. excitement fun for these kids. Like that's somebody's yeah. like vocation and good for, for sure. them. Yeah. You know, they're such yeah. special people in the world. For sure. And they should also be paid three million dollars a day.
0: <laughs> they really <Yeah>. should. <laughs>
1: So you talked a little bit about the idea of mom guilt. We, everybody knows about it. That was a fart sound. We literally were just talking about it before we came on the (laughs) call too, because it's not like we already resolved it and that's done now, but it's something we deal with all the time, which is you can rationalize and you know all the benefits of you going to work and your child going to a caregiver, but there is still the creeping thought of, I should be doing the other thing, Mm right? Right. And it's vice versa for, for um, parents in the other position, for sure. Yep. But how do you deal with that?
0: Well, I you call text me. you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, I call you. <laughs> and then you remind me that I'm not an awful mom. No, you're the best mom um, in America. But no, you are. But I think having community with other working moms is really, really vital. Even if mm. it's just one person, like for me and you. Just having another person to know that, like we talk about all the time, you're not alone. You're not crazy. Like it's normal that you feel this way. And really affirming that like you are still a good mom. Yeah. Your child knows your love. You aren't dropping them off at daycare because you don't love to spend time with them. It's because you have a job that you love to do. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, I think it comes in waves. Um, sometimes, again, the reality of that we may not ever have another newborn toddler yeah. experience mm-hmm. is like, am I missing it am I just like missing the mark am I but again seeing him experience the world and also I think I had to give myself permission to honor the way that I'm wired and how Mm -hmm. I am because in doing so it made me a better and more present mom Mm -hmm. when I got real with myself and said you know what being a stay-at-home mom for me is not where I am thriving both emotionally, Mm -hmm. mentally, all of it. I am not to my, to my best potential right now. And I can see it affecting the way that I parent and I can see it affecting our marriage. I can see it affecting my own mental health and really just giving myself permission to, you know what? I am a working mom and I'm no less than I'm no greater than, but that's who I am right now. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And just really, it, it takes a lot of creativity of, okay, you know, I'm in a clock out when Sil- when I'm home with Silas, phone is put away or, you know, it's like you really have to be intentional. But um, when I have a few hours of work to myself, when I get to pick up Silas, I am ready to be a parent again. Yeah. I yep. am like, OK, mom hat on. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we are ready to go. Um. And so, yeah, I think that's just having community, especially with friends like you who, who are wired very similarly, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but who also are like madly and deeply in love with their kids is, Mm -hmm. is how I, is how I combat it. But how about you?
1: Very similar. I did not come out of that deep, dark place. I did not begin to start healing until I went back to work. Mm-hmm. until i started doing things that filled my cup and made me feel powerful and competent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and intelligent until i did that i was not able to fully look at jj and begin to heal our bond yeah. begin to repair and investigate and process the trauma that happened to me because i wasn't able i wasn't in a place where i could yeah my therapist put it in such a beautiful way which is you are this like container, right? And if you are in this space where being a stay-at-home parent is not working for you and you're filling it with the shame and fear, right? That is what's surrounding you all the time. That's what's in your container. But the second I could step step away and do what is what does bring me joy? Mm-hmm. And it's um, database administration, everyone. <laughs> and I, I poured it into myself the light slowly started to take over the dark part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it was this idea that I was allowed to feel good. Yes. I was allowed to feel good about myself. That is okay. And it made me all way, way more proficiently better mom by far. Um, and I just want to say too, I think you know, I, I see what you've created and I do feel about this, you know, I'm like dear Nicky mama's aunt and you're, D- you're dear Nicky mama's mom.
0: No, we're both or maybe the I'm like the stepdad.
1: <laughs> t- maybe no. I'm the stepdad Gary. Cause I do like the accounting, <laughs> but anyway, you know what I mean? But I, the inception of it, like the idea is a baby from Ashley Ham's mind, right? It came out of your, and, and really not that long after Silas came home. So that's such a good example of how you were describing how motherhood fueled your creativity, how trauma and suffering and pain actually brought out beautiful, gorgeous pieces of life to other people. And I look at this world and truly the community of Journey Q Mama, which is now half a million people a, a month, right? See this information, see this hope, see these messages. And that is how do you even how do you even like put that into numbers? How do you even quantify that? How how could Silas not look at his mom and say, She changed millions of lives and not think not be not feel anything but pride? Silas loses absolutely nothing from you pouring into your businesses and into Dear Nicky Mama. He gains the world
0: that what the heck
1: i had that in my back pocket the whole time
0: just weeping over here
1: i just wanted to i just wanted to make sure it was said and recorded oh. for oh for gosh. the years to come
0: oh. but, but i'm well, serious that's but i that's how i feel about it i feel the same way about you and one of the, the stepdad things, gary part no <laughs> But one thing that I hear from you often, and you'll remind me of this so well, is that there's no one way to be a parent. And one thing that I love so much about you is how you so deeply want young girls to to see our generation and be like, whoa, Mm -hmm. like that is possible. And I've heard you talk about the way of like, I work so that JJ can look at me and be like, what my mom did is possible. I can have that. I can do that. I can be a mom who is completely and totally in love with me, obsessed with me, right? And at the same time, be a total BA data analysis tech for like (laughs) the coolest company in Minneapolis. Snore, snore, snore. Yeah. no, no. But I mean, it is really it's really beautiful the way that you champion other women to say like it doesn't have to be one way like you get to you have like the the world is your oyster. Like, what do you want it to look like? Let's find it. Let's do it. Let's become that. And you've helped champion that for me. I remember when I was making decisions to go to daycare, you were like my number one speed dial. Like, how did you do it? What do I do? How do I get through this? And you've been such a champion for me and now to so many others. And I wouldn't be where I am without you. I wouldn't be doing this work without you, literally. <laughs> and so I am forever grateful that you listen to your heart and who you are as a mom and a woman because it's allowed me to become who I am. And it wouldn't have done that if you wouldn't have done that deep inner healing work yourself.
1: Well, Thank you, friend. I love you so much. I love you. It's really cool that we get to do this. It's very, very, in one ways, it's beautiful and incredible, and on the other hand, just like very silly that it's real. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? It's like all right, sure, but it's it's really cool. Like you said, I I'm proud of us as women for taking up space in the world how how we want to
0: you know yeah, yeah
1: just like we heard on the last episode these incredible moms who fight and advocate for their kids being stay at home parents and the amount of work and labor they do yeah, yeah. and the exact same way with with us right how we yeah. fight for our identity and push in, in our jobs and become incredible in these other avenues and how it fuels back to our kids yeah and then everyone in between cuz it's this crazy spectrum of life right now
0: Yeah, but I'm just
1: really proud of us. So go D&M community.
0: (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Well, maybe Martha, what encouragement would you give to NICU mamas who are discharged from the NICU making that decision about returning to work or who have been stay at home and are maybe making that decision to to go back into the workforce? What would you say to them?
1: I would say, don't listen to the haters. know, um, I would say, <laughs> I would say, assess yourself. Be truly honest with yourself about what feels right and good for you, even if it contradicts what you had imagined. Right? Yeah. Journal it out. Talk about it with people you love and trust, and give it a try. My mom, my mom always is like. Nothing is permanent, right? Yeah, yeah. so if you try something for two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, and it's not right, that's okay. Nothing is lost. you You gave it a try and you saw what felt right for you. Yeah. And I think that's truly is an option for for all of us here mm-hmm. to to just try something and see what works for you, yeah, and literally just unfollow every mommy influencer <laughs> on social media. That's all I have to say. <laughs>
0: honestly though, (laughs) the best piece of advice yes how about you i would say that i think we said it with the stay-at-home mom episode two but it can be and Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you can be so grateful to go to work or maybe maybe to some of our moms you resent that you have to yeah i mean there's an element of this too where you weren't given the option yeah you had to go back to work you wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and that wasn't an option and so it can be and in fact it more than likely is an and right Mm -hmm. you can be grateful that you get to go to work and also deeply miss your child when you're away from them yeah you can resent that you don't get to go to work and also be grateful that you get to be home with them no matter what side of the spectrum you find yourself on know that um, it's okay to honor your season and honor and be honest and real with yourself of where you're at. And that doesn't make you any less of a mom, of a good mom. You are the best mom Mm -hmm. and you're making the sacrifices and best decisions that you can for your family. And the only person that you have to report to is yourself and your family. There's going to be a lot of opinions, both from your employer. And I mean, Martha, you've made drastic career changes because you weren't supported as a working mom. Oh, yeah. yeah, you had to make that decision of this is not worth it. I'm no. going to switch careers, and it was the best thing that you ever did.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. And yeah. you were you were every day you were like, did you quit yet?
0: <laughs> I Remember hated that? that job for you. Yeah, I know. I hated Thank you. that job for you.
1: You're so wonderful.
0: But really, just you know, the only opinion that matters is yours and your family's opinion. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's going to be a lot of shouting on both ends of what's right of what's wrong, of what's best, of what's honorable, of what's worthy. Mm-hmm. And your life is is worthy because it's your own. And mm-hmm. that's all that matters. And it's okay if you bawl the first day that you bring your child to daycare. It's okay if you laugh in delight. Like, it's okay. Like, you're not any less. It's okay to feel all of the emotions and you'll probably feel them all in the same day. But know that you are and always will be the best mom for your baby and you're making the best decisions. And that's all that matters. Yes. Bring in that dollar, bill, y'all. Yeah, I almost went, (laughs)
1: amen. I never know. This is why you're in charge of the closing out. I can't.
0: Oh, man. Well, on that note. Well, Nikki, Martha, thank you. For sharing about your working experience, I I am so grateful for you and the way that you are a parent to JJ and just an incredible um, working. BA Lady Boss. I Mm -hmm. admire you deeply and it's been so fun to see you get excited not only about JJ's milestones but also the milestones that you're making in your career and in your personal life and it's fun to celebrate both of those with you and you're just such a a light in my life and I look up to you so much. Mm -hmm. And to all of our Nikki mamas who are working mamas whether or not working was a decision you were given the opportunity to make or not we just hope that you feel validated and assured and and reminded that you truly are the best mom for your baby there's Mm -hmm. no better mom for your baby than you Mm -hmm. it's okay to honor uh, what makes you come alive because that only makes you a better mom and so um, we are cheering for you We are in your corner uh, and maybe too, maybe you're a working mom and you know that being a working mom is not right for you. Maybe you don't feel any delight and you're considering becoming a stay-at-home mom. Kudos to you. We also champion that. There is no right or wrong way to be a mom and to be a parent. And so we are with you always. Um, We sit in that duality of emotion with you and we're just really incredibly proud of you. So... Thank you for tuning in with us. We'll be back next week, but we love you and are so grateful for this community. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or a private Facebook group. And ultimately, Nikki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood.